I'm tired of playing second banana to a man who wears a bra. From now on, I want to be called Barnacle Man. And I'm through with protecting citizens that don't respect me. I respect you, Barnacle Man. That's Barnacle Boy. I, I mean man. I, oh, but forget you people. I say if you're not going to give me any respect as a hero, then maybe you'll give me respect as a villain. A villain who is evil. Evil? Evil? Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the third season of SpongeBob SquarePants. Today's episode is Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 5, the second half of the 52nd episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. This episode first premiered on June 1st, 2002, and it is written by C.H. Greenblatt, Kazmiris Gediminis Preplonis, or better known as Kaz, and Meriwether Williams. Storyboard artist for this episode is Mike Roth. Our storyboard directors are C.H. Greenblatt and Kaz. Our animation director is Frank Weiss. And our creative director, as always, is Derek Dryman. Out of the first five original Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy episodes that all use the similar title card, because once they make Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 6 the motion picture, they completely change up this title card that they've used for the original five. Out of those original five episodes, this is by far my favorite of the original five. And of course, it's because they introduced more superheroes into the mix. But what can I say? I'm a massive superhero fan. The last 10 years of my life, I have been absolutely obsessed with the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, and, and basically any of the other big superhero properties that have come out because of the success of Marvel. We wouldn't get shows and movies like Suicide Squad and Peacemaker from James Gunn if it wasn't for the success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'm I'm in love with all of those movies. But when I was a kid, it was the comic books that I fell in love with going into a comic book shop compared to going into a library where like night and day experiences. Yes, it's because there's a lot of pictures, but it's not that I didn't want to read. It's just I loved visually seeing what I was reading about. I, I have novels in my library of Batman stories that people have written out of Batman versus the Riddler versus Penguin, but they're written out like a novel. It's it's just a book. It's just you know chapters, and you're just reading as to what's going on. That is wonderful, and if you have an extraordinary imagination, that's all you need. And I do have an absolutely fantastic imagination, but there's no replacing the beautiful art that you can get in a comic book. You can use every word in a thesaurus to explain a fight scene between Batman and Bane, but those words are just not going to replace the artwork that can come along to show that fight, to show how brutal the fight can get, to show every bit of emotion, every punch. There's nothing wrong with art coming alongside a story. But that love of comic books and superheroes certainly helps me love episodes like this that, especially when they make Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy episodes, they tend to, you know, nod to the superhero genre and to those tropes. And, and it's all exactly why I love this episode. There's another small aspect of this episode I like because, in a way, it reminds me of wrestling. And I'm not going to talk about wrestling as much as superheroes throughout this episode, but there's a, there's a bit of this that when I first saw this episode, uh, uh, before even the superhero part, 
there's a part of this that just immediately reminded me of professional wrestling, and, and I'll, I'll let you know when we get there. But this episode starts out at the Krusty Krab, where we, we have another issue with Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy uh, not being able to know what they want at the Krusty Krab. This seems to be just a, an ongoing problem for these two at this restaurant, you know. And, and even Patrick, to some regard, has a, has a problem with ordering from this menu. It's like it's the same menu each and every time you show up. You seem to, you know, be happy and satisfied with what you end up getting. Why don't you just order that same thing each and every time? But unlike last time, the issue doesn't stem really with Mermaid Man. This issue stems with Barnacle Boy and the ordering of a pipsqueak patty. Now, while Mermaid Man orders himself an adult-sized Krabby Patty, a full Krabby Patty, he orders the pipsqueak patty for Barnacle Boy, a very tiny kid-sized Krabby Patty. Honestly, kid size is is being very, you know, <laughs> generous for the size of this thing. It's like a slider, which I don't know. I, I feel like even like a kid size burger should, you know, be slightly smaller than an adult's. I don't know. When you have a slider, you can't just have one and say, boom, that's it for a kid. You know, at least maybe two. But they have this this little patty decorated like a like it's got little antlers and it's got a smiley face on it. it it's definitely meant for children. And it's ordered for Barnacle Boy. Now, although his name is Barnacle Boy as a character, it seems like he doesn't really prefer that name, as he has mentioned in an, a previous episode to Mermaid Man to stop calling him Boy. He has mentioned this before, and of course in this episode really puts his foot down on being called Barnacle Boy, which I have to agree with. Although he started out as Mermaid Man's young ward, his sidekick, at some point, he should have changed his name up as a, as a completely different superhero. You know, Robin, obviously Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy started out as a play on the old 1966 Batman show. And, you know, Mermaid Man, Barnacle Boy being, you know, Batman and Robin in that situation. Robin, though, eventually grows up and outgrows the Robin name and becomes Nightwing. Or at least Dick Grayson does, the first Robin. Other Robins, you know, start their own paths when they're when they're done being Robin. But, you know, it, it's it is certainly weird that for the most part, Barnacle Boy is still going by that name. Although he does correct Mermaid Man in that one episode, or not necessarily correct him, asks him to stop calling him boy. It's not like he stops literally anyone else from calling him Barnacle Boy. He's not stopping anyone else from from calling him that and saying, like, hey. Call me Barnacle Man or, you know, come up with a different name. Barnacle Man really does not roll off the tongue as well as Barnacle Boy does. It's an objectively worse name. And uh, I, I feel like he could come up with a better superhero name for himself. But before getting too hard on the guy, he, he has gone through a, a decent amount of trauma, it seems, with this whole Barnacle Boy situation. Because beyond the name and being treated like a child through Mermaid Man... Even when it's brought up and he's starting to voice his frustrations over what's going on, every other character in the Krusty Krab in this moment, Sandy, Patrick, Mr. Krabs, and Squidward, all seem to kind of poke fun at Barnacle Boy in the situation. I don't know if they are fully unaware that he is an old man or if they really just have that level of disrespect for him that they're going to like then further bully him about... like being a kid or being treated like a kid. I mean, Squidward practically pulls out a, a, a high chair and a bib as a big one-up for Barnacle Boy. Now, Squidward and Barnacle Boy 
the last time they were both at the Krusty Krab. Obviously do not see really eye to eye in some situations, although they, they kind of do. They're about the same height, same big nose and everything. We've seen the two square up. But, you know, it, it's really rough here for Barnacle Boy. He's voicing his frustrations to his friend, his mentor, and he's just getting slam dunked with insults from not only Mermaid Man, who clearly doesn't see that there's a problem here, but then he also has to deal with insults from the general public. Uh, although he's been a television star for, for 40 plus years uh, with, with a bit of a hiatus, it seems like a lot of their superhero work is more documentary. Like they're legitimately supervillains out in the world and these heroes legitimately stop them. It's not just fictional. So he's got not only this television career under his belt, but he's got a, a whole career of saving these citizens, and they just all treat him like a joke, which a lot of sidekicks, unfortunately, are, and they really aren't. They really shouldn't be. I know that that feels like a cliche like message to send. Feels like actually the movie Sky High. If you've never seen that and you have Disney+, Plus, not sponsored, but check out Sky High. I, I absolutely love that movie. But yeah. I know it might feel cliche to be like, ah, you know, don't dump on sidekicks. But, you know, sidekicks are there for more than just being a sidekick. They are other characters that can help further stories in an emotional way. They're they're there to make some characters not feel so alone and can actually assist. I mean, you know, if you think a sidekick might be useless, you can find a lot of situations in comic books where, hey, if that sidekick wasn't in that situation... They, you know, that hero wouldn't be able to get out. Although, you know, you, one could argue that the, the writing puts them there in that situation to help out. And and for that, I say nothing. I get it. I understand. But anyway, like, I just don't understand why a lot of people have to come down on sidekicks so much. There are some lame duck ones out there, but uh, Barnacle Boy is not one of them. Although at this point, he feels he feels like there is no other choice than to turn heel and go to the dark side. He has to become a bad guy because Mermaid Man refuses to respect him as a superhero. And you know what? This may be a, a hot take here, but I got to side with Barnacle Man on this one. Now, what was really funny here is when he actually voices concerns about being called Barnacle Boy and wants to be called Barnacle Man, everyone kind of laughs at it. SpongeBob actually shows his devotion, his respect to his favorite superheroes. And I do love that little moment where SpongeBob says, I respect you, Barnacle Man. Like, it's it's a very earnest moment for SpongeBob. And we as the audience, we know how much of a fan he is of these superheroes. So I just, I like that little, that little bit there that we get to see. Although Barnacle Man doesn't even acknowledge it. And I think that's a bit wrong here. So he feels the need that he has to go to the dark side, become a villain, and in this case at the Krusty Krab, legitimately go to the dark side. They have a, a lighting joke here where Mr. Krabs is so cheap, he only wants to pay for the electricity of half the restaurant, or at least have the lights on for half the restaurant. And yeah, he's got a point. If you don't need the lights, why have them on? But the, the lighting that they have here in this situation is a bit bit much, going from the most extreme darkness that you can't even see the, the sun from outside of the, the windows into this, like, fully lit part of the Krusty Krab. Out from the dark side comes a nice little evil car here that reminds me of uh, uh, Dick Dastardly's car from Wacky Races. If you've never seen Wacky Races, 
It's it's one of the wackiest cartoons you could ever find. It was made by Hanna-Barbera, and it was about the most wackiest race going across America. Each car with its own unique personality, people behind the wheel. And then you have Dick Dastardly, basically the main character of the series, but a villain who would always come in last place and who would just want to cheat to win. And obviously every time, you know, he would cheat, it would blow up in his face. And his car was just very unique looking. It, I mean, it looked like a supervillain's car. And I, I just like that the car here, I don't know if it was purposely a homage to that, but it like immediately reminded me of Dick Dastardly's car. Inside of this evil looking Dick Dastardly car lies two of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy's biggest villains. That is of Man Ray and the Dirty Bubble. Man Ray here is voiced by, oh, by the way, we do have to shout out the guest stars of this episode of Ernest Borgnine as Mermaid Man and Tim Conway as Barnacle Boy in some of their finest work as the characters, especially when we get to the end of this episode. But Tim Conway, I, I have sung his praises so much as his portrayal of Barnacle Boy and, and even the fact that the man would always take time to voice the character in literally every project I'm sure he was asked for. It seemed like while there were certain characters like Mr. Krabs who just sounded different in every video game, the fact that we would get Tim Conway's voice when Barnacle Boy was on screen was always a delight. I have so much respect for the man in that regard. I love when when actors just take the roles that they're given so seriously that they will literally do any project associated with them. We, we have a few still out there of... Actors who who really love the characters that they play and just have no problem stopping what they're doing to play those characters in, in anything. And Tim Conway is one of them. Now, that's not to say that Ernest Borgnine has not put in his work for Mermaid Man. He absolutely has and has certainly voiced the character in a few other side projects that, that I do appreciate he did. Uh, I cannot uh, look at the man, though, without thinking of one of my favorite movies, Basketball. If you, if you know, you know. Uh, but yeah, he, he plays a character in that movie that just like I obviously knowing the connection with Mermaid Man then makes that movie 10 times better. But yeah, so shout out to both Ernest and Tim for their performance in this episode. Alongside a returning John Rhys Davies as Man Ray, the second time that we would hear his voice for the character. And unfortunately, the last time that we would hear his voice. Because starting with the video game Lights, Camera, Pants, and in future episodes, Man Ray was then voiced by Bob Joles, who has done a fine job with the character, but there's no replacing John Reese davies who, if you are not familiar with his name or other his, than his work with Man Ray, you may be familiar as his role as Gimli in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and Sala in the Indiana Jones movies. Um, of course, I, I have not seen all of the Lord of the Rings movies. I've tried, but I do know that Aragon, Gimli, and Legolos are like the three big popular characters of this faction of of the Fellowship. So it's nice to see his his voice for uh, for this character again of Man Ray. Although he is also still wearing the tickle belt, which you think by now he would have taken it off, but I I guess he likes the fashion look of it. So kudos to him. Like. You know, right on, I guess. Uh, and, and we also have the Dirty Bubble, not voiced by Charles Nelson Riley, Hollywood legend Charles Nelson Riley. Uh, he is voiced by Tom Kenny in this episode. Although I, I have to say, Tom, like, 
he's replacing a legend, but Tom himself is a legend here, so it's completely fine. But he, he does a good job with the dirty bubble. Shout out to Charles Nelson Riley, though, who would also return as the character for Lights Camera Pants. So that that's a that's a pretty cool uh pretty cool little bit there. So these two characters show up in their vehicle and it's almost like they were waiting in the wings. That like Barnacle Man had already, you know, let him know things were going down. Hey, I might be joining you guys. But they show up to pick up their newest member, Barnacle Man, who is now turning to the dark side. They form a supergroup. Every villain is Lemons, also known as Evil. Uh, whoever in this group came up with that, terrible with acronyms. They they had the evil name, but they just couldn't come up with a better acronym to make that work. So, I, I guess every villain is is lemons is the uh, is the thing to go with. Their symbol, uh, their like little logo with a, a lemon with a bunch of tentacles on it, very reminiscent of Hydra, whose logo has a skull with a bunch of tentacles coming from it. So. I mean, that as a homage, I, I absolutely love. Barnacle Man's costume, though, compared to Barnacle Boy's. He wears the same costume, although he has added a Phantom of the Opera-esque cape with a giant collar on it. And uh, then has, like, a Punisher-type skull and crossbones on his uh, on his shirt. I, I would say more, like, crossbones, the villain, not maybe the Punisher, but that's it. He just has the skull and crossbones and then has the cape with the collar. I, I, you know, I dig the logo. I dig the joke. I like how it's set up in the newscast. I like that the newsfish is is commenting on this new supergroup. And this is where it makes me, you know, think that the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy TV show was less of a TV show and more of a documentary. Because if if the news is covering things about Man Ray and the Dirty Bubble and they're taken seriously as supervillains... Well, then that means that the superhero work that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy were putting on wasn't wasn't fake. It wasn't like actors playing characters. Well, I know there was that one moment with the guy who played the atomic flounder. But who knows? Maybe some actors thought that, you know, there was an easy route to get your name out there. And, and that is becoming a villain and being theatrical in front of the world. And hamming it up as a supervillain. I don't know. That's just, that's one thought here. But yeah, the news is covering evil, terrorizing the uh, the citizens of Bikini Bottom. But I don't know, not really doing much other than ding-dong ditch and uh, and running a really bad ice cream truck. And honestly, it's like the worst thing that we see the three of them do collectively. When the news is covering the villains, when they talk about Man Ray and Dirty Bubble, they actually show them doing like super villainry and when we actually see the characters with barnacle man he's they're not like doing anything other than like childish pranks and other than blowing up ice cream and mermaid man's face really don't present an iota of danger to the citizens of bikini bottom the first thing that we see the three of these guys doing is playing ding dong ditch the, the act of ringing somebody's doorbell, and I'm not advising this, I'm just I'm mentioning what it is, but it is the act of ringing somebody's doorbell on their house and running away so that they open the door and no one's there. 
Now, before you go in Ding Dong Ditch, what you want to do is find a good hiding spot somewhere, usually across the street in a bush of some sort so that you can watch. Now, I'm not I'm not advising any of this. I never Ding Dong Ditched anybody in my life. You can't prove anything. Anyway, on to other means. Now, that is like the most evil thing that we really see them doing to the public. And they really only terrorize Mermaid Man with the ice cream truck. It's not like it's meant for anyone else. It's meant to mess with him mermaid man and blow up ice cream in his face uh and, and he does a cliche old man bit where uh, they have a preference for bran and prunes and for those that don't get that if there if there might be if you've seen that before and you've seen that joke about bran or prunes associated with the elderly if you don't get that joke i'm about to explain it to you you see when you get old it can become harder to poop and when, when it becomes harder to poop, it's better to then eat foods that make it easier to poop, such as bran, such as prunes. Gross, right? <laughs> so, but I like the idea that Mermaid Man has the confidence to order a prune-flavored ice cream with bran toppings. Like, that that's a guarantee on most ice cream trucks that you can order it with confidence. Like if I saw an ice cream truck, there's very few things in there that I could just walk up, not look at the pictures or any of the ingredients or anything and just order and know that they're going to hand to me. One of those being a Choco Taco. But in no way is an ice cream truck going to have prune flavored ice cream. They must have crazy trucks down in Bikini Bottom or at least the ones Mermaid Man are used to. But he gets his ice cream that also has a cartoonish, like, bomb fuse on it, blows up in his face, and he gets another threat by Barnacle Man that, like, this is it, I'm, I'm tired of your stuff, we're the supervillains, we're going to take over the world. They drive away, and at this point, all seems lost on Mermaid Man. I mean, look, to be fair, he, he is not only outnumbered in, in quantity... But he's also just outnumbered in, in brain power. I love the character, but he's written like he is not the sharpest tool in the box. You know, so he, he doesn't really have the, the capacity to be able to fight all three of these villains. Usually he has half a mind and the other half is filled with Barnacle Boy to help him out in that situation. And that's why they work so together so well together as a team. But without him, he's completely lost. Mermaid Man is then consoled by all the main characters here, SpongeBob, Patrick, Sandy, and Squidward. For some reason, I don't know why Squidward even ran over. It just, obviously, hey, they have to put him there. And they come to the conclusion that it, it is best that they help him fight the evil in this situation. He needs help, he's outnumbered, and, and they need to step up. Now, of course, out of these four you can you can know right away who's going to be game to to help out Mermaid Man. Of course it's SpongeBob. Of course it's Patrick. Sandy is not going to say no to a fight, and of course Squidward is not going to say yes to anything like this, other than when there is the threat of losing your job because Mr. Krabs is unfortunately not joining us on this superhero adventure. I really wish they included Mr. Krabs in this situation, but. I'm still happy with the with the members of the IJLSA that we have here, the International Justice League of Super Acquaintances. Uh, uh, certainly a play on the on the old Super Friends, which, by the way, was the original title of this episode. It's actually still intact on a few sources out there. It's just still called Super Friends, 
And even in a bigger fact, on Paramount Plus, it is listed as Super Friends. It's not listed as Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 5, which honestly is smart because I think for most people, when they're like searching for episodes like this, it might be easier for them to come across this episode if it's listed as Super Friends then they might not remember the the Roman numeral numbers of each Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy episode. They might all bleed into one another. And not everybody is a, a SpongeBob super nerd like me. Now, uh, so, yeah, Mr. Krabs just comes in to threaten Squidward to give him that last bit of motivation to help out with, uh, with these superheroes. And help out they do indeed, because each of these main characters here are able to fill a slot in the aforementioned... IJLSA, the International Justice League of Super Acquaintances. We go to the Mermelair, and Mermaid Man has each of the four members of the of the league's costumes behind different glass cases, very reminiscent of how Batman has the different bat suits in the bat cave or how Iron Man would display those Iron Man suits. And apparently, in this world, superpowers are not inherently from the user they are from the costumes you wear and as mermaid man would explain it why else would they run around with colored undies now of course squidward's little adult joke here of like i can think of three good reasons one of his absolute home runs of this episode squidward is very much for me the mvp of this episode he has some of the best one-liners of any other character that being one of them um, one thing about Mermaid Man to mention, this is the last time that we would see the character with his belt in the color of yellow. I know that's not a really big detail, but his his belt was always yellow up until the fourth Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, the last one we saw in which SpongeBob you know, gets his belt and shrinks the entire town. Then the episode after that, his belt is back to being yellow, and it would be the last time. From here on out, it would always be purple. I actually like the purple choice more than the yellow. I think the yellow clashes a bit too much with the orange shirt. The purple is really nice. Then, you know, kind of kind of goes with the starfish that's on his face. I, I really like that. But on to these costumes. Uh, these costumes of the members, Captain Magma, Elastic Waistband, The Quickster, and Miss Appear. Now, all of these superheroes can be connected to other heroes from either DC or Marvel. Each one, you could probably find a character in, in either camp that is a bit of a homage to. For example, the Elastic Waistband is both a homage to Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four over in Marvel, but then Plastic Man over at DC. And I got to say that the Plastic Man vibe probably fits a bit better since Plastic Man himself is a bit of a goofball, kind of fits Patrick being that character to a T. Uh, next, we have the Quickster, who, of course, everybody immediately is going to think of the Flash, but very much the design of that costume reminds me of Quicksilver and Marvel, another speedster. But both of them, you know, right away, boom, you can connect that to. And next, we have Miss Appear, whose powers of appearing and disappearing, of course, is very much like the Invisible Woman, another member of the Fantastic Four over at Marvel. The last one here, uh, Captain Magma, is a parody of, could be Firestorm from DC or the Human Torch over at Marvel, which would make sense given that they have already kind of kind of had superheroes based off of both Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. It makes sense to get another fire user there. The costume, though, very much 
reminds me of Firestorm over at DC. So that that you know could have been that uh, that little connection there. I really dig these heroes. SpongeBob is not wrong that they have an absolutely wonderful uh, lunchbox here. I wish that, that Nickelodeon would actually make that lunchbox. I mean, maybe it's out there. Maybe it's like a, a gift they have at uh, Universal Studios Orlando or they, they have at one of the amusement parks out there for Nickelodeon. If they haven't made that yet, make that lunchbox. Like, just make the one that's seen in the show. You know, not you don't have to over-detail it, but, you know... Copy that verbatim and put that in a lunchbox. Even make it limited and put it, at, bring it at Comic-Con. That thing will go, let me tell you. There's a lot of popularity for these heroes, even if they make, like, one or two appearances in the series total. So, apparently, once you put on these costumes, you unlock the powers of those heroes. And we get SpongeBob as the Quickster in one of my favorite little non-sequitur jokes here. Where as the quickster, he, you know, goes like, hey, you want to see me run to that mountain and back? You want to see me do it again? Like a classic joke if somebody wants to be the Flash, that you are so fast that you can make it to anywhere and back in such a quick amount of time that it doesn't even look like you moved. I absolutely dig that joke. And given that the character actually has speed, I wonder if he is that fast to to achieve that and, and he was being completely serious and it wasn't a joke. Uh, Captain Magma is now played by Squidward, who has the ability to shoot out lava out of the top of this, uh, this like volcano helmet on his head. We have the elastic waistband played by Patrick, who of course now has the ability to stretch out all of his limbs. Patrick, absolutely perfect for that role, by the way. There's not another character that would, that would fit that more. Maybe Squidward, given all of the, uh, the tentacles he has. Maybe that would be a little bit too much like Dr. Octopus. We'll save that for a villain episode. And <laughs> you could probably guess Miss Appear would then be played by Sandy, who I have to say the costume of Miss Appear goes really well with Sandy's helmet and the design of her and whatnot. And here we have the International Justice League of Super Acquaintances. Their first line of business in destroying evil is, of course, ordering a pizza because there's nothing, you know, you, you can't fight crime on an evil stomach. And an evil stomach is an empty one. You can't fight crime on an empty stomach. That's what I meant. But uh, you know what? The other one still fits. You can't fight crime on an evil stomach either. Uh, now, we get an interruption from this uh, choice of pizza toppings to get a message from the chief. The chief is a live action character played by Martin Olson, who is an actual writer of a few SpongeBob SquarePants episodes and has also played a few other characters on a, on a few other shows, one of which being Adventure Time, where his daughter plays Marceline and Martin would end up playing her father, Hunson Abadir, the uh, the Lord of Evil. I, I think that's just so awesome. And, and if you've ever wondered maybe why Marceline and her father, when they talk to each other, have, have such a natural sounding relationship... Yeah, well, it's because the, the actors portraying those characters are legitimately father and daughter. I think that's really cool. Martin here plays the chief, and it's, I, I honestly have to say, the appearance of the chief in this episode might be one of my top ten favorite SpongeBob moments. I don't know. As a kid, it made me absolutely laugh. Just, just even having him here, and I'm not even talking about the joke where he mentions make out reef and, and then, you know, turns around and 
kisses himself with his you have to see it he like puts his arms around himself to make it look like he's kissing somebody it's a classic little visual gag um but i'm not even talking about that just the fact that there's a real guy and it's the chief and we've never seen this dude before and all of a sudden he's phoning in talking about evil like that alone absolutely amazing joke still still gets me to this day uh martin if you ever hear this or anybody ever tells you hey some guy on a, on a spongebob podcast said that you're performing like just tell him it was the absolute like one of the best things i've ever seen in spongebob one of my favorite jokes it's it's i'm not even saying any of you have to track this guy down and tell him but if you happen to be in passing let him know that captain eric said it's one of the best spongebob jokes he's seen bar none thank you very much uh, yeah, speaking of Makeout Reef, it seems that evil are causing a ruckus over at Makeout Reef and disturbing the teenagers. Now, to talk about this, Makeout Reef is a play on this cliche where there are, like, the idea that in small towns, or in, at least in rural areas, they have specific places that teenagers go to to make out and not always are the names of these places so on the nose such as make out reef sometimes it's make out point sometimes it's you know moon point or something else it's just a cliche in, in usually these small town settings where it's just known in the town where like hey if you go here if you're bringing somebody to you know get away from society and you just want to kiss a little bit I, I don't know why Bikini Bottom has that, but apparently Squidward has had some good times at Makeout Reef. I Like, once again, it's it's one of those, it's probably like top three little favorite Squidward moments in this episode is when he talks about Makeout Reef. It's a moment where Squidward gets to have a little bravado for, for a second. He, he's not like lying or, or over embellishing his, his skills. He just, you know gets to be Mr. Chill guy. He's he's Captain Magma. He's he's hot. What what do you want? He's legitimately hot in this situation. Uh now we we get an announcement that Evil is is ruining teenagers times over at Makeout Reef and then we get to find him they have a flashlight and they're just flashing the the light into dark cars of teenagers making out and one unfortunate guy who is practicing on his pillow. Now this poor soul, I don't want to pour salt in the wound here but you know if you feel the need to practice kissing on your pillow you can do that at home i i feel like it's a bit much to to go through the process of driving your car all the way out to make out reef to then get in the back seat of your car to make out with your pillow maybe you want the full experience but i come on guy i i know like their evil is totally in the wrong in this situation i'm not making fun of this character if you have to go for the full nine yards to get the experience fine i'm just like you know you, you put yourself in a situation here man there's people around if you they don't see anybody they're just gonna freak out like why is this this alone guy here in a car why did he bring a pillow into the backseat oh maybe he's sleeping or maybe not i don't know seems suspicious but anyway, Evil immediately gets caught by the newly formed IJLSA. And here's the thing. The second they see these characters involved, well, to, well I'm, I'm getting too ahead of myself. I got to pump the brakes a little bit here at Makeout Reef. Mermaid Man shows up alone to confront the three bad guys. The, f the three members of Evil 
who immediately recognize you're outnumbered. And one by one, each member of the IJLSA show up, and each one increasingly freaks out the villains because not only do they know they're outnumbered, but they're outnumbered by actual superheroes. It's not just Mermaid Man and a bunch of citizens from Bikini Bottom. Now, if you listen here, just the appearance by these superheroes, Barnacle Man taps out. He's done. He he gives in. They admit defeat just by the appearance of these heroes. I don't know if, if how many of you have watched this episode and have caught that, where he, they, he gives up right away. But just as soon as he gives up, and I, even right before that, like the second they see the superheroes, Barnacle Man just like sits in defeat going, there goes our toy deal. Like he knows they're done. Mermaid Man announces att attacks from the superheroes onto the villains, and Barnacle Man calls Mercy. He's tapping out. He's done. The first attack is from Captain Magma, who screams out Krakatawa, which, if you're not familiar with, is, uh, is an island, although originally was a volcano that erupted um, in 1883 and destroyed the island of Krakatawa. Um, on December 29th, 1927, out of that, um, the Anak Krakatawa emerged from there, and another volcano, basically the the child of Krakatawa. Um, yeah, a lot of volcanic activity going on there in those islands. But yeah, that's that's where that comes from. If you heard watch this episode and you hear you know Squidward just yelling that Krakatawa, it's it's in reference to an actual volcano. So yeah, that, that little little geography information there for you. I'm not not too big with geography, but when it's SpongeBob related, I can absolutely go down those paths. Anyway, uh, what happens here is a is a very terrible sequence of events that unfortunately unfold here. What happens is simple. Captain Magma accidentally shoots lava onto the Quickster. The Quickster now with all this hot magma on his head runs around in a circle trying to get it off. The elastic waistband then tries to grab onto the Quickster to slow him down, but instead gets caught up in the whirlwind, then sending him flying out with his uh, his arms now stretched out to their max. Uh, Captain Magma then gets hit with one of Mermaid Man's water balls as he was trying to cool down the Quickster, but for those that don't know, when lava touches water, it starts basically you know, hardening the lava into rock. So what happens is once the water ball hits magma, which is kind of funny because uh, it's he's underwater, but once this water ball hits Captain Magma, he basically chars to a crisp and and Squidward goes through that that old classic cartoon bit where a cartoon burns up except for their eyeballs and they just fall down onto the little onto the little heap of dust. So that's got to be a homage to those classic cartoons, even like Ren and Stimpy, where cartoons would just get charred up and their eyeballs would be all that's left. Uh, and then Miss Appear is now the last one to step up to the plate and, and use her powers of invisibility to get behind the villains to stop them. Now, the one thing about Miss Appear I got to point out is being underwater has got to suck because everybody can see her footprints in the sand. Now, that is not that's not her detriment in this episode, but I imagine it really doesn't help out your situation. Uh, as uh, Miss Appear is walking towards the bad guys, a car accidentally hits her. She goes through a sign and careens down a cliff. And what we are left with at the end of this is once the Quickster stops running, he has ran so fast that all of his molecules have just burned out 
and all that is left is a pair of shoes. And in a fail swoop, without even moving a finger, the IJLSA is completely defeated by evil. Mermaid Man just falls over in a heap. He's, he's an elderly man. He doesn't have much left in the tank. And he admits defeat to Barnacle Man. Now, according to the rules of supervillains and superheroes, now that the villain has won, he is allowed to make demands that I guess the superhero has to abide by. And now that, that Barnacle Boy, Barnacle Man, has turned heel and beaten his former mentor, he has now earned the respect of him and asks for three very simple things. Although Man Ray and the Dirty Bubble are both asking for world domination and for Mermaid Man to eat dirt, respectively. I'm sure you can guess who asked what there. Uh, Barnacle Man has three needs. He is no longer going to be a sidekick. He no longer wants to be called Barnacle Boy. He wants to be called Barnacle Man. And his third requirement is that he wants an adult-sized Krabby Patty. And he gets his wish. And we get this really nice moment between Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy here where Mermaid Man agrees to all of his demands. And and they have they, they come back together. The the team is reunited. And we get one of my favorite endings of this show, in which Barnacle Man, who now achieving his adult size Krabby Patty, is finding it a bit hard to eat all of that Krabby Patty. He's used to the size of the pipsqueak, and, and if we go back to the beginning of this episode, it was the size of the adult Krabby Patty that Mermaid Man said, you you know, there's a lot of lot of meat there, a lot of food. You know, I don't know if you can eat all of that. So here we are, him finally getting his way, getting his adult meal, and he doesn't know if he can finish it. And in Walk In, all of the uh, the main characters, SpongeBob, Patrick, Sandy, Squidward, all bandaged up for them from their various injuries. Patrick completely reminding me of Mike TV at the end of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, now you just have this this uh, this stuck stretchiness of your body you're not going to be able to get rid of. And we, we get this moment where there's just all the characters are laughing and we go through this little montage of other characters in the episode laughing at this bit of, of ha ha, now Barnacle Boy got his meal and, and Mermaid Man was right all along. It's it's a bit much for him. And uh, we get to see Dirty Bubble and Man Ray behind bars. They were caught at some point. And, and then we even get to see uh, uh, this, the fish with his pillow back over at Makeout Reef. They're having a grand old time laughing. And that's the end of this episode, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 5. What an absolute amazing episode that we have here. And and who would think that here we are with the fifth numbered Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy episode, and it's just as funny, just as good, and even better than any of the previous ones, at least in my opinion. But here's the thing. Out of these first five episodes that include these superheroes, there's not really one that is necessarily bad. Anytime they brought these actors in, they didn't waste these these gentlemen's time. They gave them good, juicy scripts to to read and and portray their characters through. That's what's wonderful is that they they didn't waste the time of these ab absolute like legends in the field. They brought them in and gave them wonderful episodes each and every time. So we're we're very spoiled in this regard. You'd think by the fifth episode of bringing Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy back, you'd be running out of 
out of stories to tell. And here we are just just bringing in more, bringing more lore of the previous lives of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Now we get to see the whole Super Friends team, the Justice League, the Avengers level team in Bikini Bottom. I absolutely love that. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is this week for I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. As always, my name is Captain Eric. Uh, for those of you who are listening to this as a audio podcast, you may be recognizing that this week in Nickelodeon history hasn't been showing up in the audio feed. And that is because it has been transferred over to its own audio feed, its own separate podcast that is now available through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and will be showing up virtually everywhere that this podcast is available. I can also add, as of today, that both I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, and This Week in Nickelodeon History are available through Amazon Podcasts. So if you prefer using that service for all of your podcasts, you can find both of my shows on there. So I do also want to say that finally... Through the YouTube channel, the Captain Eric YouTube channel, everything is pretty much up to date. This has been a year plus in the making. Can you believe this? I think even maybe two years to, to literally talk about this. Um, what happened was by the time I started thinking about uploading the podcast through YouTube, I was already a few episodes deep into this show. I, I think at least you know 40 or 50 so while the time I'm, I'm releasing a podcast a week, I'm also trying to find time to, you know, convert each of those into separate videos to then upload. And I would get chunks done at a time and then not touch them for two weeks and then chunks in and chunks out. So if you have been a subscriber to the Captain Eric YouTube channel, you have and you've been there from the beginning to now and you still are. You have my sincerest apologies for the release schedule of those episodes. I know daily uploads can seem annoying, but if you are sticking with those and you're sticking with me and your subscription feed and you haven't unsubscribed, I, you are absolute legends out there. Absolutely appreciate and love each and every one of you on the Ready Crew. If you're somebody who unsubscribed because of those daily upload issues, it's not going to be an issue within the next week or two. Um, as far as the release schedule of this show, things will shift a little bit. Um, within a week or two, once I can get This Week in Nickelodeon History on that first Sunday, the, uh, I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast will start releasing regularly on Wednesday mornings, right in the middle of the week. If that obviously ends up being a very unpopular day to release the, the episodes, I will certainly go back to the Monday release schedule. Uh, just releasing the episodes separately apart throughout the week will just be a little bit easier on my end if I end up falling back. As, hey, sometimes I can do. Life does get in the way. I don't want to ever make excuses, but... This is a passion project for me. There'll always be episodes of this show. Um, it's not something I'm ever just going to stop doing, but sometimes, you know, life can just take, you know, control of what needs to be done in that moment. But uh, I, I appreciate each and every one of you that listen out there. I just received an absolutely wonderful message from a man in, in Spain who listens to my show, and it, it absolutely warmed my heart and, and almost brought a tear to my eye uh, because just... Hearing how somebody can appreciate what you're doing on the other side of the world, even if it's just a single message, can just change your whole day. So I, I know I have international listeners out there. And if you are out there in the world and you're not, you know, in North America and you're nowhere near North America and you're listening to this podcast, you are listening to my voice. I appreciate that you're out there listening. I, I really do. You're you're felt knowing that it's happening. 
is is enough motivation for me to continually make this show. I love all of my listeners, absolutely. But it just blows me away that there could be people out there listening to my voice, talk about SpongeBob, talk about Nickelodeon, but be in a completely different country and hear names and phrases that just you could be taught English, but then I could say something that's just completely local to me over here. You know, more in the New England area, we you, you might hear wicked like, oh, that's wicked cool. That's a that's a saying that's that's more exclusive up to this part of the of the country here that uh that Boston, that Boston type talk. But anyway, no matter where you are out in the world, if you are international, if you are national, if you're my neighbor, if you're as furthest away as you can be from me on this planet, if you are listening to anything from Captain Eric, I appreciate you. As always, I never really ask anything specifically from my fans, but all I ever do ask is that if there is any way that you can support Captain Eric, if it's by liking, if it's by subscribing, if it's by sharing, any of that is always appreciated. If it's just by listening, then that is appreciated nonetheless. As always, my name is Captain Eric, and this has been I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. Until next week, everyone, please stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Flop and flounder, mermaid man. Make out reef. Those fiends attacking hormonally stressed out children. Ah, uh, make out reef. Good times, good times. I'm ready.